Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining me tonight on Mayonaka Hour City Pop Podcast. Tonight, I have the honor and privilege to be speaking with Rocket Brown all the way from L.A. Uh, Rocket Brown, you want to say hi? Hey, everybody. You're listening to Rocket Brown from Come Along Radio. And I'm here with Van Poggin, and we're ready to get down. We are so ready to get down, and I am so excited about today's topic. We have Toshiki Karomatsu on the agenda tonight. He is one of the most soulful, one of the most funky brothers uh, ever from Japan to uh, kind of extend the Japanese range of music into all of these amazing Western styles. And we're going to be discussing his first Mm. six studio albums later on. And uh, we're going to get started with his uh, kind of history. And uh, Rocket, I know that you uh, have had lot of episodes of your podcast come along radio which i love by the way um i appreciate it of course thank you uh, for the work you do of course uh, bringing the community together is so important and and i feel like that's that's happening little by little um toshiki karomatsu are you how familiar you are with you with his work <laughs> oh karomatsu 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 a man who goes by many names the gold digger this, the man who made see a lady, but most importantly, the contender for King of City Pop, the soulful balladeer of yesterdeer. This guy's got uh, a lot of work uh, on the table, and it's 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 fantastic. I remember the first song that I heard from Toshiki Karamatsu. It was "If You Want to Dance." opening track from his seminal album after five clash it was part of a mix made by great youtuber star garfunkel i believe is uh what his name was yeah i remember him he's yeah he was known for doing uh uh, mixtapes for all different kinds of countries he finally got around to japan knocked out of the park one of the first tracks I remember off there was After Five Clash. It's such a great song. Yeah, uh, Star Garfunkel. He was active around the same time that I had started, around like it was late 2016. And our mixes, because my first City Pop mix was around that same time too. So we're kind of contemporaries. Um, and I'm not sure if his videos are still around. You know, my channel, definitely gone now. But uh, his, his might be around. But yeah, After, after Five Clash, um, if you... Uh, Wanna Dance, that song is, is such an iconic song, and we're definitely going to be discussing that later. Uh, we have so many of Toshiki's albums that we're going to be talking about, because, I mean, he has such a, an incredible range. And um, he has this it element was of Starfunkel, by the way. Oh, Starfunkel, Star that's what it is. Uh, Starfunkel, mm-hmm. if you're out there, sorry for uh, mispronouncing the name. Um, <laughs> and thanks for the great music. Yeah, definitely thank you, because, you know, that, that those days really... Uh, echoed into today and who would have thought that uh you know listening to these mixes on youtube back then uh today we're gonna be talking about artists and there's all these communities and uh new uh kind of artists being influenced by this music that in 2016 was almost you know a a lot a few people knew about it but um the relative majority did not know but now they do right 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 Mm -hmm. that's right right and your podcast um what made you specifically take up 
city pop and world music as a topic for your Come Along Radio? Oh, well, honestly, Come Along Radio started because I realized that there was a community and when I got to meet people at the local meetup in Little Tokyo, I believe it was the first time they, they did this. It was the Tune in Tokyo uh, uh, DJ uh, group. And uh, they've done Japanese music in the past, but I think this was at the time that I went, this was their first time doing City Pop. And I went there for the first time and I started, you know, talking to people, trying to get to know everybody who was like, hey, you listen to City Pop too? Oh, that's crazy. And I realized, like, we knew the songs, but we didn't know the artists. And I was like, wait a minute. It's like nobody really knows who these people are. And so after that night, I started uh, I started a blog uh, on Reddit and I just started doing as much research as I can on these artists and you know I just started writing about their history because it's not a lot of it's available in English uh, most of it's uh, and the stuff that is available on in Japanese like say like we the Japanese Wikipedia is uh, pretty scarce unless they're a big name like Toshiki Karamatsu or Tatsuya Masta but you know there is no um, you know, Wikipedia article on Takako Mamiya, for example. But if you were to visit comealongradio.blogspot.com or, you know, go on Reddit, the City Pop Reddit, you'll find uh, an article I did on there on Takako Mamiya and her album and just the history of her career. And so that's kind of why I, I, I kept doing what I was doing, just because I wanted to make the information available in English. Uh, for people who are interested in city pop, yeah, that is uh, that's an amazing endeavor, and I will link that uh, article along with your podcast and all your relative uh, your your related links into uh, the description of this um, podcast episode in case anyone wants to pay Rocket Brown a visit, which I highly recommend. His uh, podcasts are super fun. Uh, he has amazing guests on there. and He's just, you know, uh, just a fun person to listen to. And uh, I'm so lucky to have him here with me tonight. And we all are because uh, this is going to be a really fun talk. Um, and you said, so you are familiar with uh, Greg Hignite and uh, the uh, Tune in Tokyo people at The Lash in, in Little Tokyo. Is, is that, is that yeah, what it is? Yeah, yeah. There are some cool cats. Uh, they, they are part of this DJ troupe called tune in tokyo uh, they used to do it at this place called the bicycle club in little tokyo and uh i call it the otaku square <laughs> and uh but they moved it they moved their location further downtown in a place called the lash mm-hmm. and it's a bit more of a standard underground looking club sort of a hole in the wall kind of place and uh, but it's got a lot more dance space, which is nice, and you know, actual uh, drinks. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So you know, it's definitely much more livelier spot. Well, that's good to know. Um, you know, Greg, if you're listening, uh, I do want to do a show in uh, for New Year's Eve, so keep me in mind. 
you know, let's do the um, New Year's Eve City Pop Party. Uh, we can have everyone uh, there. It'd be really fun. Um, so Yeah, they do great shows. They're really good at uh, uh, keeping the party going. You know, they're really good at uh, playing the songs that people want to hear and, you know, and uh, they really keep in touch with their audience and whatnot. So I appreciate them. And uh, they've got some good taste as well. Yeah, I, I, I've uh, heard they had a, like a like a live stream kind of situation going on uh, back when we were all like uh, online only. Um, so yeah, they, they do an amazing uh, job at what they do. And I totally appreciate the, uh, the community uh, expanding and um, integrating city pop so that uh, more people can get involved in the music and it, it's so important right now and uh, I'm super happy to be part of it and uh, to to know such great and creative people like yourself and like Greg and like Alan Ikasaka uh, that was on my last uh, podcast and, and you know Alan uh, you've yeah. spoken to him Alan's right? a good friend of mine I've uh, I met him back uh, a few years ago I think it's been like three years now and uh, a really swell guy um uh, he, I met him uh, through Twitter. I, I've been reading his blog for a while. I think even in high uh, in high school, actually, that's how I found out about YMO, because he did an article on uh, Rydeen. And then years later, when I finally got into City Pop and like knew what it was, I was doing uh, some fan art of like some of my favorite artists, and uh, he commented on it. And uh, that's kind of how uh, we started talking, and we had a good conversation, and uh, the rest is history. Yeah, he's he's a really cool guy, uh, and you know, just like you, like I, I, I was totally fangirling on his blog for the longest, and uh, you know, getting getting to speak to him uh, on the podcast out that was definitely uh, quite the uh, quite the moment for me. So I'm really proud to have him on the show, just like I'm proud to have you on the show. And um, so today's topic, Toshiki Karumatsu. Uh, Born August 12th, 1960. So his birthday wasn't that long ago. We're on the 23rd of August today, 2021. Uh, so he is, uh, he's around 60. I for, I'm not, like, how he's 61. He? 61 years old. And you know what? I've seen videos of him performing live. and He doesn't look a day over like 50. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's still got it. He's got some crazy live concerts too. That's the thing. <laughs> Now, I haven't seen any of his recent ones, but I remember seeing some of his, like, late 80s stuff. And, my God, this dude was... <laughs> I don't know what decade this was. I want to say this is either late 80s or, like, early 90s. But, like, it, he was doing this... Uh, I forget what song it was. It had to be something from Gold Digger. Because he, after, you know, he hopped off of his guitar, and then he hopped behind a set of you know of uh he hopped behind a dj set and just started scratching and all of a sudden you know a bunch of a bunch of uh, b-boys come on the stage and they start doing their crazy stuff i'm like what the heck yeah kind of must it was crazy man yeah that that yeah. must have been something off of gold digger because you know that that whole album has that really uh kind of like b-boy scratching djing uh, vibe um, mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, but yeah, I think he still tours to this day, which is amazing to me. And um, you know, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Total artist at heart, musical genius, 
wonderful guy. For me, the Prince of City Pop, uh, because he has, you know, uh, our prince, like the prince on the west side, our purple prince. Uh, he's like the blue prince. Uh, you know, he has this energy to him that's very prince-like, and I feel like he... You think so? I, I, I do, just a tiny bit. Um, you know, he produces, arranges, composes... You know, he did everything. He wanted to do everything himself, and he got a chance to do it mm. uh, in, in, in his, uh, I believe it was his, his third album, where he finally got a chance to kind of just do everything himself. And, you know, Prince was very hands-on also. Prince yeah, wanted to do everything himself. Sure. Exactly. Um, so he, he kind of has that vibe to me. And, you know, he's a little bit uh, younger than uh, Tatsuro. So I, I, I would say that they're vying for the you know, the crown, the, the, the king crown, but Tatsuro is just a little bit older. Uh, even Toshiki uh, quotes uh, Tatsuro's Sugar Babe as, you know, one of his main influences. So, you know, definitely oh, the, yeah, the absolutely. prince. I, uh, I would say he's the prince one... of City Pop. Oh, okay. I mean, that's going to... No, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think that, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's been a lot, there's a lot of debate online, you know what I'm saying? You know, oh. <laughs> who's considered the the king, the, the, the quote unquote king of city pop, but I, I think it's also important to know that um, uh, you know we're coming at this from a Western standpoint, right? And you know, when you talk to Japanese people and you were and you talk to them about you know city pop or as they probably just know it as like J A O R and stuff like that, you know they're frame of reference is going to be a bit different so like right when you talk about um city pop or or aor in japan and they probably won't and like if you ask them like who their favorite was they probably won't say toshi mastiff or toshiki they'll probably say someone like uh uh kaze they were like the steely dan yeah. in japan in the 70s that's a, that's a whole other camel words. I only bring that up just because they were a bit more popular in the 70s, in terms of J-A-O-R and stuff like that. Yeah. That's yeah. A whole, that's a whole other can of worms. Oh, yeah. There, there's a couple bands like that, like uh, Off, um, I think it was called Off. Uh, off Course. Off Course, yeah. Uh, mm. they're, they're another band that's kind of like that. There's, they have a huge fandom uh, in Japan. And, you know... Um, I've spoken to uh, when I, when I was in Tokyo last time. I was talking to I forgot this 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 girl, and she wasn't that old. She was like you know mid twenties, and uh, she was asking me what I was doing in, in in Tokyo, and I said you know I'm here to DJ City Pop, uh, you know, and I was just throwing names around, and she didn't know anyone. I I, I mentioned Karumatsu Yamashita. She didn't know who they were. It was it was incredible to me. She's like, Whoa. oh, they must be people that my parents <clears throat> listen to. I don't listen to that. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, oh, I was wow. about to okay. say a lot of a lot of young people don't uh, listen to, <laughs> to to a lot of these old cats. I, I used to work in um uh, at a gift shop in Santa Monica, and for during a specific season, we used to get a lot of. Uh, Japanese tourists coming down to the beach and a lot of the young people they either didn't know who Tatsuya Master was or they were like oh yeah the Christmas guy <laughs> you know what I'm saying right. so because his most famous song is Christmas Eve ironically uh, a winter song yeah yeah so I it's, love that song. it's probably the same thing for for uh 
Toshigi, people like Toshigi Kadomatsu, same situation. Right. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And uh, so you mentioned Santa Monica, and I, know, and I know you're in L.A., so, you know, beaches, summertime, you know, when I think of Toshiki, uh, I think about the summer. I think about the beach. Uh, I think about uh, just kind of women jumping around in bathing suits, uh, playing with beach balls and that kind of thing. Because, you know, Toshiki's music is very evocative of that, and a lot of his lyricism deals with Ladies, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. He's a he's definitely some kind of ladies man, and uh, you know, I, I love that 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 part of his musical kind of identity. And you know, he has a lot of references to the ladies. Uh, you know, I mean, he's got ladies. a whole album where each he's got a whole album where each song is named after somebody's girlfriend that he's still proud of. No, but in all seriousness, yeah, like she is a lady. Like each song is right. named after a woman. Yeah, but, I mean, I think Toshiki. <laughs> in general, has always been really good at setting a tone for his album uh, in a way that's um, not just engaging, but also cinematic. Mm-hmm. And that's been the case ever since uh, Seabreeze, mm-hmm. uh, his first album. One of the cool things about Toshiki albums is that they have really great intros. And I'm not just talking about just the first song, but like really great sort of cinematic introductions, kind of like if you were listening to like a, a radio drama. Because Seabreeze doesn't just begin with the song, uh, Dancing Shower. It begins with the first thing you hear on his debut studio album is the footsteps of a guy probably wearing, you know... High heels. Uh, crocodile shoes or something. Oh. <laughs> and, he's, and, he's, and he's walking up into a room and you can hear the, the music in the distance. And then suddenly you hear the door open, you hear martinis clashing, you hear people cheering... And you hear the band get bigger, and then and then and then the music starts, and then you start hearing "Dancing Shower," and it's such a great introduction to um, uh, not just uh, Toshiki as an artist, but also um, like his his style. Like he he wants you to know that he the party doesn't start without Toshiki. That was a great way of letting the audience know that. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, he has a certain swagger about him uh, that is just undeniable. You know, he definitely takes a lot of inspiration from uh, the West and uh, kind of like the, the forward the forwardness of Western artists and Western music. And he incorporates the things that he enjoys about, you know, summer and uh, the things that you could tell that the music that he makes is music that he likes himself. Like This is stuff, this is his vision, his musical uh, yeah, identity yeah. and uh, he's not shy about telling you what he likes and conveying that in a poetic uh in a in a musical way that 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 suits the uh kind of mood that he tries to evoke uh and he does such an amazing job at it um he is from yoyogi he was born in yoyogi uh shibuyaku uh tokyo so he you know he's mm-hmm. he was part of that 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 area is so hip you know it's, it's always had a history of being a really cool place in Tokyo. And so the fact that he's from there, it really speaks to uh, who he is as an artist. Uh, he was definitely influenced by that area. Uh, being from there, uh, okay. he he definitely has that yo-yogi kind of, because, you know, in that area, they have the um, uh, the rockabillies. And uh, and I think uh, around in oh, Shibuya, really? yeah, the rockabillies were in Yoyogi Park, and there was a lot of, like, live live performances, kind of like um, impromptu stuff in the park. Okay. Um, and then, of course, later on, uh, th- that became the uh, the Shibuya, like the Harajuku, 
kind of fashion uh, metropolis kind of vibe that was going on there. So, I mean, that area has a really big mm. history for being cool and trendy. And I think Toshiki exemplifies that. Ah, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, one of the um, one of the things about that's great about Toshiki is that um, he was always great at um, he he's one of those much like Tets. He's one of those guys that wears his influences on his sleeve, uh, both directly and indirectly. Um, one of the things that I like about Toshiki music is that um, they have a really great energy to them, and um, one of the, and my, like most city pop artists, they sound familiar without sounding uh, plastic, for a lack of a better word. You know, it, it sounds it sounds authentic. Uh, for example, um, one of my favorite. One of my favorite uh, Toshiki songs is from Gold Digger. It's called Mermaid Princess. It's one of my. It's probably my favorite ballad by him, and uh, it's you know it's very sensual and 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 it's it's very beautiful. I I love it. And uh, but it's it's very much an ode to uh, Through the Fire by Chaka Khan. But um, the great thing about Mermaid Princess is. There's a lot about the song, and not just the melody, but also like the the arrangement that that helps it sound unique uh, against you know its its obvious influence, and it, it makes it feel like it's its own song. Like it feels familiar enough to, for you to enjoy it and get uh, hooked on it, but there's enough of it that's very original that helps the song stand on its own. A lot of Toshiki songs are like that. Yeah, I, I, I can totally agree to that. And when you say uh, Mermaid Princess, I can't help but think about Tatsuro's song about Mermaid. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, pocket music. Well, to be, to be fair, I think um, I think in this case, Toshiki beat Tatsuro. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, pocket music was uh, 86. Gold yep. Digger was 85. All right, yeah, so there, there's a little... And you know... Um, the, the weird thing is to me that, you know, uh, Toshiki quotes uh, Tatsuro as being one of his influences, like a big influence, but they've never, at least not that I'm aware of, they've never worked together on anything. That's so, hilarious. Isn't that <laughs> But that weird? doesn't surprise me. Yes and no. I don't think... Hmm. Here's the thing. I don't think... Uh, what's Mr. Gazes? I don't know if... Toshiki and Tets, like that sounds like a match made in heaven. But I think it's I think there's one very important distinction between Tets and Toshiki, is that, and you mentioned it earlier, is that Toshiki always tries to be trendy. He's always he's he's the hip guy, and that's not to say oh Tets is like lame or anything, but that's to say Tets isn't really concerned. From what I've gathered from Tashi Masta as a as an artist is that he's not really concerned with his music being uh, hip or in the now, you know, or or trendy. You know what I'm saying? You know, he 
he he knows what kind of music that he likes. He knows what kind of music he he grew up listening to and that he wants to make. And he's he's pretty much stuck to that for like I want to say three decades or two decades. The only album that really deviates from the usual Tosse Master formula of Beach Boys meets Motown meets Doobie Brothers is uh, Cozy. And that was all the way in like the late 90s. You know, it had songs like Fragile and um, uh, and Magic Touch, which very much sounded like 90s songs as opposed to everything else, which sounded more like a retread of like pocket music from back from 86. Uh, Toshiki, you know, you know, Toshiki Kadamatsu has always been hip and like in terms of like musical trends, like night uh, after five clash. It's like total like New York hip hop, you know, and uh, you know there's like rapping segments and stuff like that, and some of the songs. Tats didn't. T- you don't hear rapping in Tats music <laughs> at all. That's not a thing that happens. You didn't hear rapping in Tats music until um, until I want to say 2013. Like the the early two thousands, or because uh, he came out with a song, uh, he came out with the song. Um, it's a good song, but like it's like. It's that was like the first time you hear any uh, Sonorite two thousand five, that was like the first time you heard, any form of rapping, in a Tat song. And and at that point you're just like. What the heck is this? <laughs> what are you doing? And to be fair, it wasn't him rapping. It was, uh, it was somebody else. But like, it's just that that's just not his his forte. And he knows that. He knows he knows his strengths and he knows his weaknesses. Uh, you know, he knows what he's good at, and he he kind of, he sticks to it, and that's that's fine for him, because he's really good at it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but like Toshiki, he's always been like. There's, there's, um, with Toshiki, he's, he's been a bit more, uh, willing to sort of, uh, to, to experiment and stuff like that, especially when, especially after, after Five Clash, uh, he went from, you know, the New York dance club scene and go to Gold Digger, which had more, you know, hip hop. Which doubled down on the hip hop elements, and then you had um, Touch and Go, which was I want to say it's a bit more of the same from uh, Gold Digger, but then you had like See Is a Lady, which is a jazz instrumental album, not too far like teetering the line between T Square and Cassiopeia. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, like that was super different for him. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think Tats has a purely instrumental album. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I think, you know, Tatsuro loves the sound of his own voice. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> I mean, so do we. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I'm not complaining either. Um, but, you know, the weird thing about Toshiken and how he kind of formed this kind of openness to, uh, uh, like, rap and hip-hop and R&B influences, you know, he went to school and he actually studied philosophy 
at Nihon uh, University uh, Su Suruguaka High School, and then um, he went to he went out to university, Nihon University College of Arts and Sciences Department of Philosophy. So he wasn't even oh, really? originally going to go into music, but when he was around twenty, I think he released a mixtape and he sent that off to a record label, uh, and then that's what kind of started his his music career. So this switch from philosophy mm. to music is really interesting to me because it really uh, kind of reflects on his perspective on music and music genres and openness to uh, Western influences and Western music and urban music, stuff that wasn't very accepted or known in uh, Japan mm -hmm. at the time because everything was, you know, new music, Kayo Kyoku or uh, Mudkayo, Enka, things like that. But then you have Toshiki who has really open-minded, you know, he went to philosophy, uh, you know, he, he went for philosophy in college and then, you know, he's able to integrate uh, these styles that are not native to Japan into his music and uh, to chart on the Oricon with a lot of these songs. Uh, he, in a lot of ways, broke ground, and uh, I completely understand why some people would want to say that he is the king of city pop, because in, in many ways, he is, and I give him that. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I have a, a thing about age and seniority, and I, I just feel Tatsuro is just a little <laughs> bit older, and he, you know, Toshiki even quotes him as an inspiration, well, so it's hard for me to say that it's the, uh, the other well, way around, you know? So I'll say this, it's just from my personal experience, and uh, you can look at this, and this is just go for music. Sometimes it's not always about who did it first, it's about who did it the best. Oh, and, um, okay. And now, to be fair, and this is, you know, this is coming from someone who Tashi Masta is their favorite. He's, he's, my, he's one of my favorite artists, he's probably my favorite Japanese artist. But I do think Toshiki excels in an area uh, that Tets, I want to say doesn't, but um, slow jams, slow ballads. Uh, Toshiki makes really, really great uh, ballads. And I, I think it helps that his voice is a bit deeper, but still has that, uh, that, that ethereal touch to it. It's very soft, you know. Um, he's yeah. He's just gotta. He's just gotta. Uh, I think that really helps with uh, a lot of his his more slower songs, and um, yeah. I just I just think he's got. Um, I think I just think he's got that Arab. I think Toshiki, sort of got that. You know, eighties R and B sound. I think Toshiki Karamatsu mastered that 80s R&B sound a bit faster than Tats did. And you can hear that as early as songs like Beach's Widow, um, <laughs> Wave. I love that song for some song From Seabreeze. Uh, which one? Beach's Widow. Oh, yeah, Beach's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite song from Off the City Shore. Oh, really? Well, we're going to discuss that album because I have a lot to say about it. But you know what? I will. I, I this is you know it's, it's definitely not the episode for Tatsuro because I don't want I, I don't want to give him too much uh, airtime here because no, you this is about we, Toshiki. We, but I will it, say, I mean, it happens every time. It's like it's, <laughs> it's, like it's when when the when the seniority feels threatened. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's inevitable that both their names but are going to come up. what about Because, uh, you know... Um, it's like Batman and Superman. <laughs> but, you know, Tapstone has Storm, which is an amazing slow ballad. Uh, and he has Touch Me Lightly. He has a, a lot of ballads, too. So, you know, there, there's a little bit of... Uh, right. There's there, there's some something going on there that they, they both have. But, uh, you know, the Tatsuro versus uh, Toshiki uh, conversation, definitely something that we could take up at, at another time. But I want I, I definitely want to give Toshiki his due, his due time. So we're just going to no, go absolutely. ahead and um, move into... Um, uh, the last thing that I, I want to talk about Toshiki's history, which he collaborated with Henri uh, around 1983, I believe. Uh, and yeah. you know, he, he, he collaborated with a couple of artists. And um, so he was really good at making music that kind of had like a jingly element to it. Like, I'm not sure if that's just a native Japanese thing, but they're really good with jingles. And stuff like that. And a lot of his albums... Oh, you mean like uh, commercial music? Yeah, commercial music and just like stuff that you would... Because, you know, in, in Japan, they, they use uh, like uh, little jingles for almost everything. Like you'll be at the mall and the mall will have its own jingle. It'll come on a thing. You're at the supermarket. The supermarket has its own mm-hmm. jingle. And it's all kind of like little earworm stuff that kind of just like... It's, uh, it's melodic and stuff yeah. like that. And Toshiki definitely has that element to a lot of his music. At least when he was... When he started producing and arranging and doing everything himself, um, mm-hmm. so uh, so yeah, so he worked with Henri uh, and uh, he produced timely for her. Uh, so it, it just it just really speaks about his ability to kind of uh, work with other people and incorporate what he does well into. So other keep in mind, um, true, true. So keep in mind that timely was sort of a. a was like the second album in a, a tr- in a trilogy of uh, Karamatsu produced albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first the first time we see Toshiki in a production well from Henri was um, actually Heaven Beach. Yeah, Heaven Beach. Oh, really? Yeah, because um, he's the one who composed uh, uh, Fly by Day. Viva mm-hmm. California time. Is isn't that a that's not a, uh, that's not a Yamashita song? Cause I know that's, that's. No what? Yeah, fly by day, Viva California time. Yeah, that's that's Toshiki. Really? Cause I know doesn't Tapso f- have a song just like that? Oh, I think you're thinking of um. Kiss the sun. Or wait, <laughs> there is a. Song. You might be. Yeah, I was about to say you, you might be thinking of kiss the sun because there's a there's a line that goes fly by. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> babe. No, that's a different song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay. That's a different song. But okay. yeah. Yeah, check out a uh, heaven. Uh, heaven Beach, 1982. That was the first album where Toshiki took the uh, composition production role for Henri, and. Um, he wrote a few songs on there, most notably "Fly By Day." And uh, excuse me, on, uh, "Timely" was the third in the the trilogy because after that, he did "Bikini." He worked on "Bikini" with Henri. That's the one with "Goodbye Boogie Dance," "Dancing Blue," "September Walking," "Lady Sunshine," and then it all culminated into "Timely," which was the. Uh, 
Uh, I like to call it the daytime version of After Five Clash. Because uh, it's very, it's very much in the same vein. Like, you, you get like that. You, the a lot of these songs you could put together in the same album as After Five. That's not like a knock against it. That's just, you know, Toshiki has a style. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I, I completely, I completely agree with that. Um, so yeah, he he's an amazing artist, and I'm I'm so glad that this is the topic for today because his birthday again was this month, so it, it's almost appropriate mm-hmm. for us to be discussing him. And uh, you know, I was reading on the Japanese Wikipedia about him, and you know he um, you know he attended piano and organ classes uh, due to co- coercion from his parents, and that that's a quote. Uh, but he wasn't really enthusiastic about it, and he had asthma as a child, and he was bullied by his classmates around like. He was around 10 years of age when he had asthma. And the weird thing is that it oh, was wow. resolved uh, because he started playing guitar. And when his classmates started applauding for uh, him after he played guitar, it kind of somehow resolved that. Uh, and that's just oh. per the Japanese Wikipedia. I'm not just making that up. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I believe you. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, really interesting person, a really interesting guy. Um his music definitely touches on so many genres and so many kinds of uh, moods. And wh- what is your main draw to Toshiki Karamotsu? What do you what do you get out of his music? Uh, I mean, I get a lot of things. Um, usually, when I'm listening to Toshiki Karamotsu, it's because I'm in a dancing mood, but or I just need the energy. To go about my day my favorite album by him is weekend flight of the sun and what's so great about that album is that um it's like like that album represents the perfect day of work or i should say it's it's basically a summary of you know a day in the life of a salary man and um I remember the first time I listened to the album, I had just got a job. I got my first office job uh, working at the uh, convention center. And um, it, it was I discovered that album around the same time. And just that just it's a great album to listen to on the way to work and at work <laughs> and after work. And uh, it just got me through the day. Because it was just like, each song just felt like it was describing how I felt throughout the day at work. You know, office lady, rush hour, brunch, and then, you know, space scrapers, obviously, Friday, Sunday, all that stuff. That's like, so, you know, after the clock, stuff like that. But even listening to it on the clock, it just, it got me through the day. Yeah, I've definitely had my office lady days, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Office Lady is a great, uh, great uh, song to wake up to in the morning. Oh yeah, because it has that uh, that alarm clock, so it's almost kind of appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so um, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break, and as soon as we get back, we will go ahead and review the first six studio albums of Toshiki Karumatsu. Uh, so it's going to be a really fun talk. We're going to go through all the influences, uh, give our impressions, our favorite tracks, and. Uh, Uh, All that good stuff. Um, So we'll be right back with you in just a few moments. Thank you.
Sounds like a plan. We'll be right back after these messages. Tokyo Drink. サントリーブランデー、ブイオー、1000円で新発売。劇場で見よう。スターウォーズ大会第1部第3部が日本で初めて一挙同時上映。スターウォーズ春休みロードショー。水平解像度500本の鮮明画像を実現。Welcome back to Mayonaka Hour. I am here with Rocket Brown of Come Along Radio, and we are going to be discussing Toshiki Karomatsu's first six studio albums, and um, what uh, an amazing six albums they are. Uh, we're going to start with the first one, which is his debut, Sea Breeze from 1981. Rocket Brown, what is your first impression? Oh man, Sea Breeze is, like I said earlier, really great introduction to Toshiki Kanamatsu as a musician, as an artist, as a personality. Once again, the intro song really sums up uh, his uh, his uh, sort of uh, persona, right? You got the guy walks slowly walking into the club, and then the music starts blurring. Drinks start clashing, all that good stuff. Really great intro. Um, I'll say it's very obvious that um, Toshiki was a big fan of Tassi Mashta's Moonglow album, because <laughs> um, um, it would because uh, Dancing Shower is very much his own interpretation of uh, Funky Flushing. Oh yeah. You remember that song? Yeah, yeah. Still love the song. Uh, really great dance song. Um, most of the songs in here are pretty, you know, standard AOR fare. Uh, very reminiscent of artists like um, uh, Eric Tag. Um, what was his name? Mr. Uh, Lee Ritenor. Um those are more sort of American AOR yacht rock people. Uh, a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, Yoshino Fujimaru in a couple of songs, specifically uh, City Nights. It reminded me of something Fujimaru would have done. Um, but nothing, nothing yet that would that sort of. Um, I think the the three songs that sort of uh, are that are 
indicative of his future work or what's the best way to put it. I think the only three songs that are that sort of foreshadow his future work are Still I'm in Love With You, Wave, both are really great ballads, and Yokohama Twilight Time, the single uh, for this yeah. Yeah, I think it's the best dance song on it's it's the best uh uh dance track on the album. Uh really great sort of city night strutting vibes and um the the chorus and uh that song is pretty lit. And uh, it's it's my it's one of my favorite Toshiki songs. He's remade it a couple of times, but the original so far is um is my favorite. This is actually one of the, the the albums that Toshiki went out of his way to re-record. Uh, and uh, he um, he uh, did a it was sort of a self-cover album where he remade all of his uh, all of the tracks from Seabreeze, and uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But um, I would say Yokohama Twilight Time, the original, is the best one. Oh yeah. I think that that uh, Sea Breeze remake was in 2016. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I uh, and you know I, I I can understand why he wanted to remake it because uh, originally since it was his record label making all the decisions for him, he uh, they didn't I, I don't think they they thought that he could arrange and compose and do everything himself, which he wanted to. So I think this 2016 variation was his like reclaiming of the project in his own way because he recorded mm. remixed it all he did everything himself on the 2016 right. version because he really wanted it to be his and it was the 35th anniversary uh, debut of that album mm, so that's fair yeah he definitely wanted to and if you look at who was on this also i i mean i wouldn't be mad if they were working with me he had uh epo uh, epo was in this um she was doing i think uh backup uh, vocals and oh, okay. Ma- Makoto Matsushita. Uh, you know he was on chorus along with Epo. Uh, uh, Akira okay. Inoue. Yeah, Akira Inoue is is amazing. He was on synths. Um, so yeah, there, there, there's quite the lineup on here. Jun Sato has been a reoccurring uh, name uh, on a lot of Toshiki's albums, and and he's just uh, amazing on keyboards. And you know he he adds a lot of value to uh, a production. Um, Don't forget and, uh, Shigeru Suzuki. Oh, how could I forget? Another one of uh, another one of Toshiki's influences. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's Shigeru Suzuki. He's uh, an icon. He's worked with so many artists. Um, so yeah, he and his guitar work is just phenomenal. It's just amazing music. Uh, Masaki Matsubara is also on guitars on this album. So even though he didn't have as much control as he wanted to. This album was packed with all sorts of amazing talent. Like it's, it's an amazing yeah, album. I think, yeah, I think it's a good start. I think um, his trait, his trademark personality, uh, hasn't shined through just yet. In this one, it's it still feels very much uh, like a um, pretty. Uh, I would say it's it pretty. It's, it sounds pretty standard for its time. But uh, like I said, it's a really good start. He just hasn't got his identity yet. 
Yeah, well, I mean, he's only 20 right now. And, and when 1981, when this came out, he's he was so young. Um, and so, see, he was still trying to figure things out. And, you know, he had this record label who was probably, you know, calling a lot of the shots. So he's trying to find his identity uh, uh, while also, you know, being in the center of this, you know, circus of uh, music production and uh, all these people who have been in the business for a long time. So I, I, can pro I can understand why he was still kind of hesitant to show who he really was. Um, but I, I mean, I, I have so many tracks on here that I love. I love uh, Elena. That is such a cool, cool track. It's very. Um, oh really? Yeah, Elena. It, it, it's one of my favorite ones on there. It's super light. It's light, mellow to the core. AOR. Um, it has. Uh, I'm not sure if you know Yasuhiro Abe. Uh, but yeah, yeah. He has a song called Irene which is very, very similar to this. It's, it has like a very classic AOR shuffle, very Donald Fagan. Yeah, I remember Irene. Yeah, so it, it reminds me of that. Um, and it was arranged by uh, Nobuyuki Shimizu, who uh, also did stuff for EPO, which he's on this, Takonuki, Mari Takeuchi, Noriko Miyamoto. Uh, so he's really worked on a lot of stuff, and he arranged this song. Uh, so I, I can kind of see why i like it because uh, all these artists that he's worked with are, are also amazing for me i like summer babe uh that, that song's really fun to me um okay. it's really dancey uh i really like it it punches right in right where it needs to punch um so that, that that's an, that's one that i really like so your favorite out of all of these is, is which one uh i would say either wave or yokohama twilight time Wave is my favorite slow song, and Yokohama Twilight Time is my favorite, uh, I guess you could call it a dance song. <laughs> uh, Wave is, um, Wave is very, um, uh, Wave sort of, uh, sets the standard of Toshiki's, uh, future ballads. Um, he even remade it for his, um, uh, 1986 album Tease Ballads, where he does self colors of all of his uh, of all of his slow jams and stuff like that, and um, it's really good. I love it. Um, it starts off with the sound of the ocean, and um, it's got really good piano work, and um, it's just it's very calming. And uh, it's six minutes long. <laughs> it, you don't really, you don't notice it at first, but yeah, it's like six minutes long. But I think uh, it's well worth the six minutes. Oh yeah, what a way to end the album, right? Like an amazing ballad, mm -hmm. and um, that total like ASMR kind of uh, background audio atmospheric thing with the waves. Uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people were doing that, and I think he's kind of one of the first ASMR people. Because a lot of his, like, if you, you it's kind of like a reoccurring theme where he uses, like, atmospheric elements of, like, background noise. Like, people in a club or an, uh, an airport or a plane, like, uh, flying into the air. Like, he'll use elements that are uh, unusual. And I think, uh, you know, that just speaks to how talented he is and uh, his vision for music, which is, mm, it, it there has to be a theme, a story to it. And... Uh, he's uh, at heart a storyteller in a lot of these uh, track lists. You can tell that there's a progression of mood uh, towards the end. There's always a ballad. It's probably it's usually the second to last track that's the ballad. 
and it, it, it's a common recurring theme with him. Um, but yeah, everything. I would say he's the first, but he's he's definitely good at it. Um, if you if you enjoy Tosh, if you enjoy the way Toshiki does things, because um, um, he I would say he's definitely one of the best at it. But um, uh, I think uh, what he's what he what he's doing is very reminiscent of um, of stuff that Harry Hosnell used to do with his Tropical Dandy albums. And you know, incorporating the ocean waves. Even uh, H. Otaki did it in uh, his Niagara Moon album. Because um, keep in mind, another one of his influences is also uh, Happy and and its various members. You know, uh, Harry Hosno, H. Otaki, Shigeru Suzuki, and um, uh, I always forget the. It's always the drummer. <laughs> Nobody remembers the drummer. Um, ah, yeah, uh, you Mas- know, uh, Masamoto. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> Takashi Matsumoto. Drummers, drummers always get uh, the short end of the stick. I know, I'm so upset at myself. <laughs> you know, even when but, I was um, making a lot of my notes, I kind of left out the drummer a lot of times, and I feel so bad about that. I know, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ta- yeah, Takashi Matsumoto. He was the drummer and the lyricist. But, um, but yeah, um, uh, they were all doing that sort of atmospheric stuff in their out. Al- they were doing a lot of atmospheric stuff in their albums, uh, like I said, Niagara Moon uh, by H. Otaki incorporated a lot of ocean sounds and stuff like that. Um, same thing with especially like Harry Hosno and his Tim Pan Alley albums, uh, Tropical Dandy, Bon Voyage uh, uh, did similar stuff. Um, so I think uh, Toshiki is, you know, carrying on a carrying on a sort of a tradition in that sense. Yeah, I, I I can I can appreciate that for sure. I think this is a really good debut for Toshiki. Um, it's not uh, completely his his kind of vision yet, but you can tell the seed of who he's who he is, who he's gonna become, is in this album. Yeah, the seeds have been planted. Very much so. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love all the tracks you said. City Night, for sure. C- City Nights is, is definitely has that, like, very yacht rock uh, kind of feel. And, that you know, Shigeru Suzuki guitar work on this is just spectacular. I love the choruses, mm-hmm. the hooks. You know, uh, Toshiki knows what sticks, and he knows, you know, he knows how to throw it at you. He throws it right at you, it sticks. Uh, it's, he, it's always a great production quality with him. He has a really high standard, and you can tell he sticks to it. I love it completely. I love, uh, you know, it, it's a great album. I have it on vinyl, and I, I, I definitely play oh, it a nice. lot. Yeah, I play this one a lot, um, only because I mean everything, everything works. Everything's uh, easy to listen to. It has that AOR, very yacht rock, very easy listening, adult contemporary vibe. I love it. Um, so this is a precursor to his second album, which RCA, his record label, put together like a cast of musicians from the U.S. Uh, to kind of do everything for him uh, in a way. So he had very little control other than like lyrics and like arrangement of the lyrics, but uh, everything was handled by Tom Tom 84, which is also known as Tom Washington. Mm-hmm, that's right. It also featured uh, the uh, Phoenix Horns, which is the brass section uh, of Earth, Wind and & Fire, and uh, Phil Collins' Genesis. <laughs> mm-hmm, whoa. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, uh-huh. so yeah, this was his weekend flight of the sun, 1982. 1982 was a big year. I would say that was the year for City Pop. That's when all the best albums came out there. For You, um, Love Trip. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Weekend uh, Fly to the Sun. Uh, yeah, April it's, 5th, It's my personal favorite. Mm-hmm. That was my personal favorite album. Um, I love it. You know, it's I great. agree with you. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, the the weird thing is that Tashiki himself, I you know, I was reading that he didn't feel like it was his vision. He didn't feel like he uh, was completely uh, represented in it, and it's probably because it was recorded in L.A., and uh, he wasn't home, he wasn't in Tokyo, so probably did not mm. have, like, every, like, he didn't have his heart completely in it, because, again, he's in America, he's surrounded by all these American engineers and producers, and uh, all these yeah, other people. Uh, so he probably uh, was just a little bit hesitant uh, only because, you know, he's not in charge of anything. He's just kind of doing lyrics and they put him in a sound booth and he sings and, and everyone else does everything. And, and you can tell he's a really hands-on type of guy. Ah, I see. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to lie, though. I think it paid off. Um, I love every track on this album. I remember every track on this album. Uh, what's so great is that it feels like it feels like a like a really hip concept album of like I said the day in the life of uh, you know your average salary man or office lady where the first half is you know your nine to five right office lady rush hour brunch um, and then you get off of work and then the second half is when you finally get off of work and uh, you start your weekend, right? Space Scraper, Friday to Sunday, Crescent Adventure, all that stuff. And then the album finally ends with 4 a.m., which gives you that feeling of, God, tomorrow's Monday. And um, it, just, it just sums up the work week perfectly, this album. Uh, my favorite songs are... Uh, God, it's so hard to pick a favorite song for this one. Uh, Office Lady is great. Space Scraper... It's probably my favorite uh, dance song by Toshiki Katamatsu. Um, Crescent Adventure is my one of my favorite uh, Toshiki ballads. Uh, it's great. Yeah, they like you said, the entire album is so cool. It's such a concept album, and on the Japanese Wikipedia, it kind of uh, emphasizes that it's in a way uh, like a very proto. Uh, concept album because like you said it, the first five tracks are supposed to be times of day in the mo- in, in the work day so you start the morning with office lady uh, and that you know the the, the alarm clock uh, gives it away like this is the start of the day you know good morning girl uh, she gets up she does her thing you know it's the morning uh, and then mm-hmm. you go into rush hour which is the next part of the day around like noon um, and the slap bass on that is just amazing. Uh, finally, oh, yeah. uh, the slap bass is on there, uh, and 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 man, is it is it satisfying? I, I love that. It's quintessential uh, city pop. I love Rush Hour. Um, uh, yeah, so Rush Hour is a great song. And then brunch, I, um, right? Yeah, sort of the sort of a break. Yeah, like you were gonna say something about Rush Hour. 
Oh no, I was just gonna say um, uh, the album as a whole has really great uh, bass and it has really great brass section, really tight horns. Uh, I really love the um, the the horn work in this album. It's like uh, it's like uh, uh, for the most part, it's like uh, Lee uh, Lee Rittenor meets Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I I can I can feel that you know uh, Thomas Washington you know Tom Tom eighty four, he delivered a tight arrangement throughout the entire thing. There's not a hair out of place. Everything is just oh, yeah. immaculately produced. Like it's 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 a powerhouse production. Hey, he's a great producer. I mean, uh, he's he's done a lot of he's done a lot of work uh, for a lot of people. Um, Earth Wind and Fire obviously is one of them. Um, he's also worked uh, with Phil Collins, uh, the Dramatics, um, the Emotions. Uh, I could go on. Yeah, all all of Herp Albert. Uh, he's the um, the guy who did Rise. the The song that Biggie sampled. That's the best way. That's that's what he's most known for, right? But um, but yeah, he's 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 um. He's produced for a lot of really big people, so he knows what he's doing. Oh yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell right off the bat this album is it's just immaculate. Like it's it's so well produced. I think, you know, Friday to Sunday. Uh, originally, this was supposed to be like a huge like promotional like uh, cross promotion kind of thing with like J- J- Japan Airlines. Um, but in that same yeah. year, there was like a plane crash uh, with Japan it Airlines. It was the uh, Airlines Flight 350 that one. Uh, crashed in 1982. So the time it was canceled. Because I believe Friday to Sunday was made as a single. And uh, it has a very obscure B-side, uh, which never made it on the album. Uh, it's okay. Uh, the B-side is okay. It's a, it's a decent song. Uh, I, I wouldn't say you're missing out on much. I would say... Whatever you got in We Can Fly to the Sun is it was is top notch on its own. Yeah, and, and you know, it might be because we are Westerners and we're a little bit partial to that Western production quality because, I mean, it's there. Uh, it's, it's an undeniable Western-influenced uh, album. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have all these Western, you know, American, North American artists who are in producers, engineers. So it sounds like something that we would have listened to if we were, you know, back in 1982, you know. Uh, it, we, we would have enjoyed it back then, just as we're enjoying it right now, even not knowing Japanese back then, because, you know, it was 1982. Um, mm. the space, you know, what's funny paper, is that... Um... Yeah, yeah, Space Graver is great. You, but you know what's funny though is um, I actually uh, for the promotional art. Speak of the promotional for the promotional uh, art and photos in the uh, the album. A lot of the photos were taken in L.A. There's actually <laughs> a photo of Tashiki uh, dressed up like he's going to church, but he's like posing in the uh, Culver City DMV. <laughs> and I'm just like, what are you doing? And uh, it's funny because I used to live in Culver City, so I'm just oh. like, Wait a that's the DMV. What the heck is he t- Why is he dressed like a pimp named Slickback in front of the, somebody's driving test? Get out of there, Toshiki. That but, is um, hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's funny to see a lot of the photos in places that I'm familiar with. 
Look at that. Yeah, that, that's an interesting uh, little fact. I did not know that, but, yeah, that's, that's really funny. I mean, to him, he probably was like, you know, I'm, I'm somewhere cool. He probably didn't even know where he was, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, internet uh, buddy showed me the photo. Uh, he has a really great uh, uh, podcast as well, Kimino Station. Uh, really cool guy. He showed me, he did a whole uh, uh, Twitter thread on locations of like album covers and stuff like that. Oh, a lot of the, cool. A lot of those locations are based off of real places, right? Right. So like um, Tassi Masta's For You, uh, that iconic uh, Turner radio shop was actually a, a radio shop in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the building was torn down, unfortunately, but the... Uh, the address is still there, but uh, yeah, it's it'd be a lot of those you know, album covers you know, you know there are you know. Pretty, uh, pretty. I want to say famous locations, but they're uh, uh, a lot. Of, they're pretty well known locations in like L.A. That it seems to be the trend. Oh wow! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I I can I can appreciate that I, I haven't been to LA yet but I, I definitely want to go and, I, and again Greg if you're listening let's do a New Year's Eve party in at the lash uh, sorry a little plug there um, so uh, what's your favorite track on here like yeah I mean I know it's tough to pick because they, oh, they're Space also Graper. good Space Graper yeah I mean that's definitely one of my <laughs> favorites Graper. too it's 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 a it's a bop it you know it, it slaps it, it's all those Gen X uh, terms. Um, you know, and yeah, it's my it's my favorite um it's my favorite um, dance song by Toshiki Kanematsu. Oh, for sure. Um, oh, it's one of my favorites. It's it's definitely up there, top two. Yeah. And um, every time every time I hear the 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 guitar riff, I just I just freaking lose it, man. <laughs> it's it's a great dance song. It's my workout song. Is the thing. <laughs> so I go running. I'm listening to Space Scraper. And um, you know, I'm I'm lip syncing to the words, I'm getting <laughs> funny looks. It's the whole nine yards. It's great. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it, what what a song! It, it's an incredible song. Um, yeah, that guitar work is it's, it's phenomenal. It really launches you into space into space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a dope ass song, man. I oh yeah. Uh, you know, Crescent uh, Crescent Adventure. Uh, that that's one of my favorites like slower songs from Toshiki. Uh, I, I really like the pacing. It's really smooth. Um, it's incredible work, vocal work and the, the production quality is just really cool. And you know, it's centered, the, the interesting fact about uh, Crescent Adventure is that it's centered around, it's, it's based on um, uh, an actress named Kyoko Maya. And she's, she's an really? iconic, like she's an iconic Japanese actress uh, known for her like dorama, dorama roles. So she had like a lot of movies and she's been a lot of things. So this was kind of like a dedication to her, like about her in a weird way. Um, wow. So what yeah. What was her name? Uh, Kyoko, Kyoko Maya. Maya. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, she's like a dorama uh, actress. So that that's an interesting factoid about that one. And because um, I, I mean, I love that song. That's a really, really cool, cool, mellow, uh, aor kind of slow jam um yes it's a dope song i uh the original song um uh crescent adventure 
the reason it sounds so AOR, as you put it, um, this song was inspired by um, a song by a really obscure yacht rock group called Night Flight. Mm. Um, same influence. Um, night, uh, it, it's funny, they're such, they're such an obscure band, but they've had a very major effect on city pop because um, Tashi Yamashita's um, uh, Sparkle draws from that same influence. Really? Um, yeah. Um, same 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 song influence uh, Sparkle is called um, uh, If You Want It and uh, you can hear it in the guitar riff and um, you could hear it in the um, in the uh, the the chorus and uh, it's 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 a uh, it's pretty interesting I, I think if you if you go back and listen to Night Flight and um, listen, come back and listen to Crescent Adventure. Um, yeah, you'll hear it. Well, you'll, yeah, you'll hear a lot of. You'll hear a lot of. You'll probably hear a lot of um, city pop songs in a lot of Night Flight songs. That's interesting. Yeah, I wasn't aware of them, but I'll definitely check it out just to see what's going on with that. Because um, yeah, I'm always, mm-hmm. I'm always curious. Um, so and ending this album, he did he did you know like that that four a.m. song. Um, so this album only reached uh, I think fifty one on the Oricon charts. So he was a little bit disappointed uh, in how um, how it didn't sell as well as they thought it would. And I'm not sure if it has to do with that. It's mostly an American production. Maybe you know there was a little bit of just like it didn't sound like anything Japanese at the time because it was you know such an American production, um, so it didn't do as well as he wanted apparently. I don't know if it had anything to do with uh, American production per se. Because keep in mind, um, albums like For You and came out the exact same year. You gotta uh, like when I say. 1982 was the year for City Pop. I mean, everybody was putting their best foot forward in 1982. 1982 was a competitive year for just Japanese music in general. You had For You by Tashi Masta, Through Traffic by Naomi and Etsu, um, The Love Trip. You had um, uh, you had a Naked Man by Southern All Stars, who. It was like the biggest rock band in Japan. You had uh, Fujima, Yo- yeah, uh, Fujima Yoshino with his debut solo album. Um, just a whole, whole bunch of cats coming out with music in 1982. There was a lot of competition. Awakening by Hiroshi Sato. Oh, wow. You know what I'm with saying? Wendy. So, Wendy uh... Yeah. Also, um, I just want to point out that uh, Yumi Matsutoya... Uh, who was like one of the biggest superstars in uh, Japan at that time, came out with her own uh, sort of concept album uh, revolving, uh, you know, the office lady called Pearl Pierce. Oh, yeah. I have that. Yeah. Yeah. So keep in mind, very similar albums, very similar themes came out the same year. One's uh, one's a rookie. (laughs) One was basically... Uh, Linda Carpenter of Japan. <laughs> this is no competition. Right. So it's like there was a there was a lot of factors regarding you know, yeah, sort of the sales. That 
that that's the sweet spot I think uh, before uh, you know like 1981 to 1984 I think that's a sweet spot for uh, Japanese city pop because that's right before the heavy synthesizers started to become a thing and like mm-hmm. like really uh, I absolutely heavy. agree so that was like a lot warmer production and they were using tape back then before it turns into digital so yeah that that era is a really really nice uh, a moment in uh, Japanese city pop for sure, and so this one uh, leads into uh, on the city shore, which on came out on May twenty first of nineteen eighty three, um, and you know Toshiki was a little bit frustrated with uh, you know the previous album. Uh, he thought it didn't envision, like, it didn't embody his vision for his own music. So he was finally allowed to arrange, compose, do everything himself on on the city shore. They gave him. Uh, free reign to just have complete control uh, over over the direction of where the album would go and who would be on it. Uh, and you can tell because it is an amazing album right off the start. He does not waste any time getting into the first track, which that iconic drum fill, you know, that... And then yeah, right into, yeah. you know, uh, Offshore. I, I- I believe he also was uh, took. A, he was in charge of the album's promotion as well. Um, he um, he started playing at a lot of. He was playing at venues everywhere, from you know, people's you know not just you know uh, st- uh, stadiums or anything, but like school festivals and shit. <laughs> you know, he was he was kind of desperate, but it, it paid off. It definitely paid off. Uh, and um, I'll be honest. Um, this is probably my least favorite out of the six. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a good album, yeah. but it's also at this point, you know, I when I was introduced to this album, I had already listened to Timely, and I had already listened to For You, and uh, you know, I feel like Timely does everything that this album does, but better. Uh, like summer, like would you like you know offshore is good, but windy summer is amazing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's basically yeah. this. It's basically the same song. It's not the same song, but like when you're listening to it, it's like this is sounds like like Henri. <laughs> okay. I should just listen to Henri. <laughs> now the 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 diamond in the rough here for this <laughs> album. Is Beach's Widow. I would say that's the most <laughs> unique song on this album. For so many reasons. <laughs> For a lot of reasons. I, I really like Beach's Widow. I, I love Beach's Widow. You know, it's 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 a fun song. And you know, the weird thing is that later on he renamed it to um, uh, Widow on the Shore. <laughs> so um, you know, it has an undeniable kind of a mistakable element to. The name of the song. Uh, if you Listen, say it really I'm, I'm quick, I'm calling it "Beaches Widow." <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you know, that that mispronunciation is there. You know, we're all adults; we can kind of acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it sounds like it sounds like something it doesn't. He's not trying to say, um, and that's that's perfectly fine. You know, it, it, it's it's just an error in the. Um, uh, the, I actually didn't realize he had to rename it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that was his choice, you know, because I'm sure the the record label didn't care. But uh, later on, he renamed yeah, it to not. "Widow on the Shore," uh, which lifts the fog a little bit on the pronunciation. 
Uh, but it's still yeah, a it's great still a song. Good. Oh, it's a great song. But yeah, I, I, it's the best song on the album. Um, mm-hmm. The other songs are good. I really like um, Take It to the Sky High. Oh my God, yeah. I like... Um, Anklet. I like Dreamin' Walkin'. Anklet. Do I like Anklet? Yeah, Anklet like was really good. This feels like a knee slapper. No, I'm just trying to remember. No, it, it was. Um... Mm-hmm. But it was, it's one of those songs, like like I said, it's like it's one of those songs, like, by the time I got to On the City Shore, I was like, yeah, I've heard this type of song better in other Toshiki albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that way for a lot of the songs on here. Oh, yeah. Um... Not all of them. Like like I said, I would say the most standout track is Beach's Widow or Widow on the Shore. Um, but uh, overall, besides that song and probably Take Me to Take You to the Sky High. Take Me to the Sky High is also good. Um I mean I would say um this album is for me it's just okay. Yeah, I, I I appreciate that this is the first time that he's allowed to be himself and like do stuff that he feels is right for his sound. And a lot of these songs are the precursor to the improvements of these. Because like you said, oh, absolutely. he does a lot of the same. He he copies his same formula and he improves on it in later albums. So you, you hear advanced versions of these songs later on. Um, mm-hmm. So you know it's like a, a graphics card. Later on, he just improves on the graphics, and it just they just become better. <laughs> they just become better. Uh, so I, I don't blame you for that one. Yeah, bit. it's like Skyrim. You just, <laughs> you, just, you just remake it again. Exactly. No, you know what though? I will say. Um, let me say that. Oh, go ahead. Let me say <laughs> has a really really great uh, piano work on there. Um, yeah, really 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 beautiful sensual piano playing on that song another, another ballad that that's well over six minutes but you don't mind because of how great it is and um i i do appreciate um toshiki utilizing the piano more in his ballads and it's very indicative of uh another one of his influences hiroshi sato oh yeah yeah um He's gone on record saying that Hiroshi Sawa's Awakening is actually one of his favorite city pop albums. Whoa, okay. It was so, yeah, oh yeah. Because it was so, you know, it was pretty revolutionary in terms of J-pop. You know, Hiroshi Sawa pretty much uh, did that album by himself. Sans the guitar, that was Tase Masta and a couple other people. But uh, he programmed all the instruments himself, and uh, on top of you know playing the piano, he's also considered he's also a pretty uh, well respected pianist uh, within that sort of uh, city pop circle. You know everybody from Tats to Hitsuotaki, and they all they all have respect for uh, Hiroshi Sato. So it doesn't surprise me that Toshiki does or that he would take influence it doesn't surprise me at all 
Yeah, yeah, I, I can totally uh, feel that on this track. Uh, let me say it's extremely sentimental. There's a melancholy to it. You know, Toshiki's a hopeless romantic in many ways. Uh, a lot of his music reflects that. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love this album. Uh, you know, I, 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 it, like you said, it's not my absolute favorite, but I do think it's it's up there with, with a lot of the great city pop albums. Dreaming Walkin' reminds me of September Walkin' by Anri, but again, there's so much crossover between that uh, those albums. Um, but yeah, th- this is a great song, but you know, Beach's Widow, standout track. Take, me t- take You to the Sky High, uh, that's another superb one that he improves on later on. Um, so mm-hmm. this uh, leads us to, let's see, uh, April 21st of 1984, After Five Clash. After Five Clash, yeah. That, now we're cooking with fire. <laughs> yeah. What's your impression? Oh, yeah. So After Five Clash is, that's like the city pop dance album. Like, every song on there is a complete bop it's fantastic um none of the um it does a good job of mixing uh like synthesizers with the more acoustic instruments and stuff like that and it does a lot of really neat twists on already established um city pop tropes like um I call it the sparkle riff. You know what I'm talking about? The, oh, with yeah. The, the, the guitar opener. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, if You Want to Dance has a really good twist on the sparkle riff. Yeah. It kind of fades in before the song starts. Come back. And that yeah. s- sets the mood for the entire album. Oh, it's yeah. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. That's, that's, this is a quintessential top 10 city pop albums of all time, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, I think by the second half of the album, you've kind of gotten uh, you've kind of gotten a sense of um, every every it feels like you've gotten a sense of what everything the album has to offer. Because uh, um. Uh, the titular song after Five Clash feels very much like a retread of the first song. And, um, you know, I Need You and Will You Wait For Me feel pretty interchangeable as feel as, as far as ballads go, although they're both pretty good. Um, I, I think, um, which is why I appreciate the closing, the closing song uh, in this album, Heart Dancing. Which is sort of a uh, a uh, a modern twist on uh, menial music uh, that sort of um, the 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 ondo stuff that um, uh, Otaki used to do. Uh, he used to do this thing where he would like he would like uh, make uh, for those who don't know, menial is like a type of Japanese like folk dance music and um, uh, something H. Otaki used to do is um, uh, he would like combine like pop music with like minyo yeah, arrangements so like you would hear like a weird like 
Japanese folk cover of like Ray Charles or something like that. It would be ridiculous. Or um uh uh this is uh this is a song that the yeah, I think it was yeah, I think it was just called the Niagara Ondo. It was from um uh the Niagara Triangle album. But um in in um Toshiki uh, album after five clash uh he makes it work because it it feels you know it feels you know definitely feels cheesy but it it still it remembers to be catchy and you know pleasant to the ears you know uh with otaki when otaki did it it was very um uh <laughs> it was it felt very tongue in cheek. It uh, it wasn't. It didn't feel like something that you could take seriously and listen to casually. But um, Heart Dancer really pulls it off. Um, it's a really great song. I don't know if you've heard Heart Dancing before, but yeah, it's like a. It starts off sort of uh, with a with a traditional like Japanese folk dance arrangement. And then it goes into more contemporary sounds. You've got like your saxophone solo and stuff like that. It's it's a great song. And then it goes back into the to the to the Japanese Ando stuff, and um, it uh, closes the whole album off with a fireworks show. It's great, great song. Yeah, I I can appreciate this kind of uh kind of departure from the rest of the album and heart dancing and the kanji and the the, the japanese characters uh in the title they say uh i love you ando so it makes perfect sense and you know um, uh, okay yeah there we go yeah so it's already there in, in the title and i was looking up on the japanese wikipedia and it stated that this song was a message to joji yamamoto which was a very famous which is a very famous anka singer uh, so he was making all of these kind of things, and he was really famous in the Heisei era, uh, making Enka, Karyokyoku, and like all of these older Japanese styles of music. Um, and he was phased out of his record label at the end of the Heisei era. And this song uh, was kind of like, uh, kind of like a dedication to uh, Joji Yamamoto, which is this artist who used to do onda and and all these kinds of things. So it all makes perfect sense. Because uh, you have the feature contributors, yeah. uh, they're called the the uh, Kamata, Kamata Mondo singers, which are like these uh, singers who do that style of music that's more like folk, folky. So uh, the fact that it's a dedication to uh, Joji Yamamoto, it, it makes perfect sense now, the way you described it. Uh, so yeah, that's a really poignant way to end this album. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, pretty, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. It's yeah. funny, there's a lot of uh, this this album feels very genuinely Toshiki, but there's clearly a lot of really neat risks being taken mm-hmm. that end up paying off for the most part. Oh yeah, um, you you definitely first hear it in um, uh, <laughs> probably one of the more the songs on the album, "Step Into the Light." Oh my God, yes. Um, which is holy crap. <laughs> I love the I rap on that. I can't. St- it's so ridiculous. <laughs> I can't stand it, man. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'm not even like upset, but it's just like <laughs> it. It feels mm. like this is like 
this is what this is what we sound like to them. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and that's scary. There was a one of my friends introduced me to um, uh, this Italian artist who basically made this song uh, that's completely gibberish, and it was uh, it was and it was basically the joke was is that this is what rock and roll sounded like to Italians. Oh, wow. It just sounded like complete gibberish. And I feel like I feel like step into the light. Uh, there's this, there's a similar message being told. It's like this is what hip hop sounds to us, and I, I don't I don't know. But it was it's to be fair it's 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 a fun song to dance to. It's just very silly. Yeah, it's extremely silly. It, it's silly. Uh, it's, I, 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 I do I do enjoy it though. Uh, we have uh, Noriko Miyamoto and Aiji Nakahara who did that little rap sequence, and they yeah, they have Noriko another cameo. They do that again. Uh, they do another rap thing on um, Gold Digger. So they come back and like uh, Noriko Miyamoto. I think she just does her own kind of stuff too, but it's not rapping anyway. Yeah, she's a she's an R and B singer. Mm-hmm. She she just came on as sort of a special guest for this part. Right. Um, Step Into the Light's an interesting song. Oh, for sure. Um, What's it's, your... Um, it's a song that was based off of uh, What I Got Is What You Need by Unique. That was the original uh, sample for uh, this song. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Toshiko is just like, you know what this song needed? <laughs> Rapping. <laughs> it, it's funny because like I think either a year prior or a year after because yeah 1984 i think no the same year um uh another artist by the name of uh motoharu sano uh uh tried his hand at uh bringing hip-hop to japan and um it it was it was pretty bad (laughs) I think you might be familiar with um, Complication Shakedown. I have that on vinyl, and I, I do like it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Complication yeah, Shakedown. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 like it's a funny song, attempt. but it's also it's one of those things. It's like, oh jeez. Oh. Listen, I don't think this is. <laughs> kudos to them. I don't think Japan would really nail hip hop down until <laughs> 90s, late 90s yeah. at least. Yeah. We would, but you know, yeah, I, I'm you know, I'm all I'm trying to say is that I think Toshiki definitely got a lot farther ahead <laughs> than Sano did. So, um, uh, kudos to Toshiki, yeah, but yeah, I, I do like Step Into the Light, it's a silly song, but you know, it's it's undeniably funky, and uh, I, it definitely subverts your expectation because it's another song that plays on. Uh, the subversion like Japanese tropes. Uh, it starts off with that kabuki clapping. You know which one I'm talking yep, about. Yep, I know exactly. And then it goes into that funky beat. Yeah. And uh, I really like that intro. Yeah, that, that's a really cosmopolitan. I mean, the entire album is cosmopolitan. And uh, the, the whole theme of it, you know, was that he exchanged summer and sea for night and city. And this is on like the Japanese Wikipedia where they're talking about, uh, you know, the commentary about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was after a trip to New York. Right. He did a prior to that. He did a he put out a single uh, called "Do You Want to Dance," which was inspired by like the New York music, the New York music scene at that time. Yeah. And um, 
and uh, so like you know the Get Band, Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam mm-hmm. stuff like that, right? And um, you know, it uh, paid off for him. It was a really popular single, and so he decided to follow up with the whole album. And so he got After Five Clash. Right. In in many ways, this feels like the spiritual successor to um, Weekend Fly to the Sun. Um, it feels like a modernization Absolutely. of that, and it's more his own vision. Like, he's in charge of everything, and you can tell this is what he wanted to do on Weekend Fly to the Sun, but he wasn't able to, uh, and he executes mm. it perfectly. And, you know, he replaces uh, Office Lady with Airport Lady, so it's almost like... <laughs> yeah. Yep, and that's great. That 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 song, "Airport Lady," it's it's so much fun. You know, you have that atmospheric uh, intro where you hear the plane uh, lifting off, and um, uh, actually, Yuri Yudi- Kokubo oh, yeah, is on this Oh yeah, the whole airport scene. I like that. Yeah, it's re- it's kind of immersive. I really like that. Um, uh, Yuri Kokubo is on here. Um, Jake Conception is doing that amazing um, saxophone. Oh work. Jesus, Jake H Conception. Yeah, he's he's an amazing saxophone. Uh, that dude's like the Kenny G of the Asian circuit, man. He's on everything. He's everywhere. It's insane. Yeah, this was a stellar album. I thought it was, uh, you know, an incredible, incredible release for Toshiki. Uh, it made it to. Um, I think the uh, on the Oricon it was like twenty nine or so. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. After Five Clash um, is a great album. It's probably one of the best disco records in city pop. Uh, all all the tracks are killers at the club. Oh yeah, I play them um, a lot. Toshiki me. made yeah, Toshiki uh, made the right call by uh, moving away. From the beach into the metropolis, yeah. and uh, I feel like at this album really exposes his true potential as a musician. Most definitely. And uh, shout out to um, Ken Muramatsu, a really great, another really great composer who handled the uh, synthesizers on some of the songs. Oh yeah, a lot of amazing synth work on this album. It's 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 glittering, it's glistening, it's just perfection. Uh, I, I, I love it all. It's, it's, it's such a mood. Um, and that brings us to another stellar album, Gold Digger with True Love, May 21st, 1985. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When I first heard Gold Digger, I don't know what to expect because this is, this is like, God, how do, how do I always describe it? I feel like the intro to the song like words can't do it justice man so like imagine my shock when I'm, I'm listening to this album and I, you know I hear footsteps and um you know you hear the, the woman you you hear the um the um yeah you hear you hear um yeah. you know you hear footsteps you you hear uh the the woman walk into somebody and uh you hear Toshiki go, hi, honey. <laughs> and all of a sudden, yeah, right. I'm just like, what the, what? Excuse me? <laughs> and it's funny because it's like you, you're looking, you see the uh, the, um, the 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 album cover and Toshiki's like fake bleeding in a, in a bathroom. And he's just like, why is he dying in right. a bathroom? What kind of album cover is this? <laughs> and then he's like, oh, 
that's why. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Man. Total mood shift from from After Five Clash. Definitely a bit more... Uh, mature. It's way more grittier. adult. Yeah, mature, yeah. yeah. It's like an adult. Uh, more sexual, more... Uh, definitely more taboo, more direct uh, than uh, the previous one. You know, this, this makes... Uh, after Five Clash looked like, you know, way more it's innocent. The, it's the difference between Sonic Adventure and Sonic <laughs> Adventure 2. Oh my god, yes. That's the best way I can put it. Totally right. And this was, it placed 7 on the Oricon. So it it was in the top 10 for the Oricon. This, this was a huge success for Toshiki. It really, uh, you know, solidified his status as a producer who should be taken seriously. He's an artist. Um, you know, he moved away from the image of just being a singer to being a producer and having the ability to uh, produce other artists' music. Because around this time, he, he had already worked with Henri. He worked with, um, I think it was uh, Naoko. Um, I think it was Naoko. She she had a song called something Moonlight. I forgot what it was called. But yeah, he had already okay. worked with a whole bunch of artists, and um, well, he, he's uh, he's he's done music for a whole bunch of people. Um, Akina Nakamori, um, mm-hmm. Hideki. He did. He worked on two albums for Hideki Saijo. Wait, um, don't don't tell me that he produced Twilight Maid because you know what the the Twitter stands the Twitter Hideki stands will will cut you. Uh, they, because he did not, he did not, <laughs> Toshiki did not produce Twilight Made, and this is a, an so ongoing pro- thing. Yeah, he didn't, he did not was, produce Twilight So, Maid. to clarify, well, so to clarify, he did compose a number of songs on that album. He did compose um, a number of them, but he didn't, like, overall, because uh, the impression that yeah, people were given that, producer, yeah. exactly, that he wasn't the main producer. Yeah. It was still Hideki. I was, I was informed about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, he was brought on onto the album, and he um, he composed a good number of songs for that album. You could tell which ones were were uh, composed by Toshiki. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. His formula, his formula is unmistakable, uh, and it works so well for whoever he applies it to. Um, so this album, uh, they brought on Michael Brower, who's like a he's like a famous um, engineer in New York. Uh, so this this really brought on. Uh, that explains a lot. Yeah, so you could tell the New York influence was there. He wanted to he wanted it to sound dark and gritty, and uh, like a like a New York nightclub kind of situation. Um, so the track list is definitely trendy. Uh, you can tell that he wanted to go for something that was contemporary, that was darker, that was more mature. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and he accomplished it with this one. This is this is definitely um, something something worth. Uh, Accolade for sure. Oh, I, I agree. I think it's uh, it's another one of those albums. This is probably my second favorite uh, Toshiki album. Uh, another one where all the songs are a hit. Spring and Night, I love. Uh, Move Your Hips All Night Long. Uh, Secret Lover. You know, of course, Tokyo Tower is uh, really great. Uh, surprisingly, though, my two favorite songs on here aren't the aren't the the nightclub songs. They're the the more uh, sentimental ballads, uh, "Mermaid Princess" and uh, "No End Summer." Those are my two favorite songs of this album. Um, "Mermaid Princess" I talked a bit about before. It's a really great 
love ballad reminiscent of Shaka Khan. And um, I think it showcases Toshiki's um, affinity for ballads very well. And uh, No End Summer. No End Summer is a really dope song. Just because it feels like a departure from something Toshiki would normally do. And it feels like something off of Big Wave. Mm. <laughs> but he does it very well. That's the crazy part. Um, like he de- he makes he makes the Tasi Mashta big wave aesthetic his own, and um, it's it's such a beautiful ballad. Um, I, I I love it, and um, I think it's probably one of Toshiki's most unique songs in his library. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I can't agree. think of another song like it. It, it. It's a great, it's a great track for sure. And the fact that he closed out the album with it uh, shows that he knew, mm-hmm. he knew that it was like different. Um, and uh, that, oh, yeah. that, 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 adding on to the uh, ballad aspect of this album, I completely agree with you. The more upper up tempo songs, they're they're not my favorite, except for Tokyo Tower. I do love Tokyo Tower. It's it's an iconic. It's a banger. That that's it's it's a really great. Now I love the rap in the beginning by Kingpin yeah. Shaheem. Uh, that that's that's, that's that's Oh my god! It, it's a dance floor thing. destroyer. I love it. I love it. Um, I, I, I Jesus Christ! What was his name again? Kingpin. Kingpin Shaheem. Yeah, that's what it was. I swear to God, man. I I remember I was looking up the credits for this album. And I couldn't, I couldn't contain myself, <laughs> dude. It, you got like I respect Toshiki for, for you know, mm-hmm. getting actual rappers right. on his, on his record, really obscure ones at that. But like, <laughs> hey, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I just. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even Kingpin Shaheen that was the funniest part. It was his. It was the it was the rap group that he came from. I forgot what it was called, but it was the silliest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. That is funny. Like all of the street cred just went out of the window when I heard it. <laughs> God, I can't. I wish I remembered it. It was hilarious. That is funny. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what the group he's from, but I mean that that song is 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 cool to me. I like the remix. No, it's, it's a of great it. song. And the 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 rapping is iconic. I won't lie. I I actually do like in it. the big city, <laughs> Tokyo, capital of Japan. <laughs> of Japan, yeah. I love it's that. It's, it's such a great song. I think he comes back uh, a few more times in future albums because um, uh, they do something similar in Touch and Go. Mm. Oh yeah, I think I think I know what you're talking about. Um, my favorite songs on here uh, are again like also like you said I like the more mellow songs. Actually, for me, um, "Secret Lover" is definitely one of my favorite ones because it's kind of like the rapping is funny on this one too. Because again, Eiji Nakahara and uh, Noriko Miyamoto make another cameo doing a rapping sequence towards the end. Um, oh yeah! So that's another one of my favorites, and um, for me, it's too late. Actually, it's too late is a, is a really is it seems like a synth wave song at the beginning because you have that like dark arpeggiator with the 
spacey, like, celestial pads and reverby lead synths. Oh, yeah. Um, it's got a great intro. So that, and, you know, it reminds me of, like, an 80s sitcom interlude. Like, I, I really love that kind of stuff. And it, it's thanks <laughs> to the DX7 piano. Um, and uh, th- that's that. And uh, the synthesizer work on that is just amazing. Jun, Jun Sato is a genius on that. Uh, and uh, uh, Yoshihiro Tomonari is on this as a guest uh, feature. So, yeah, amazing, amazing mm-hmm. album. Uh, so this leads us to uh, Touch and Go, his sixth album, June eleventh, nineteen eighty six, right at the uh, height of the bubble economy, uh, because in nineteen eighty five the Paris the Paris Accord, uh, I'm sorry, the Plaza Accord was what set off the bubble economy because that um, inflated the yen uh, as opposed to the dollar. So that is what created the bubble economy. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this one, it, it's its definitely an amazing one. And they have uh, a mix of Japanese and American uh, engineers, uh, writers, singers, oh, yeah, everything. Sure. The backup vocalists. They have so many different backup vocalists on this as, like, the backing vocalists. Um, that is every song just sounds different, uh, and you know they have Curtis Junior King, that is true. Brenda White King, Angie B, Debo Cole, uh, Tawata Aggie. There's so many different um, backup vocalists for this, and and you definitely feel that like uh, every song is is so good on this. What's your favorite? I would, um, yeah. It's what's interesting about this album is um, much in the same vein as. Um, I don't know it's never gonna stop. Much in the same vein as um, "Melodies" by Tatsuo Yamashita. <laughs> yeah, this feels like Toshiki. Um, so this feels like a culmination of Toshiki's uh, of work, and with no specific theme tying it together. Um, my favorite songs are "Lucky Lady," "Feels So Good." <laughs> Uh, really, that was one. Of, that was another one of my first Toshiki songs. Yeah, and um, it's it's a banger. It's um, slaps. Really catchy. The synthesizers are the the synthesizers are amazing. And I think what it is is um because this is late eighties, and uh, this is def- this is that period of late eighties where everything sounded like it came out of the Sega Genesis. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm totally down for. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it also it also it it also um, the song's really good at adding those. Um, uh, Alan liked to call it the champagne synthesizers, <laughs> the very light like where it doesn't feel like you're you know you're slapping a piano key, but you're 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 tapping an electronic wine glass or something. <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's really good, and um, it's it's a great song. Uh, another one of my favorite songs is uh, this is an album that I go to a lot. Uh, but my two favorite songs are "Lucky Lady Feels So Good" and "1975." Oh yeah, this was another one of my first uh, uh, Toshiki songs, and this this was the song that inspired me to actually do research on city pop because this this song is a, a very obvious homage to toshiki's roots 
not just as a, a music uh, uh, creator, but as a music fan, right? He name drops a whole bunch of people um, that influenced him as an artist, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's a very, this feels like a very meta song in the grand scheme of city pop. Uh, and, um, but it, it, it works so well. You know, it's nostalgic. Uh, this feels like this feels like a song that should have been made in this era and not in not in the late '80s. You know, because it, it, it name drops uh, you know Sugar Babe, Sentimental City Romance, uh, Chukasaka, uh, Ryo Kagawa, um, uh, Tin Pan Alley. You know all of the biggest, uh, all of the biggest, uh, most influential artists of uh, city pop and new music in the nineteen seventies. Yumi Arai, you know, you know he, he mentions all of them, and uh, I was, you know, it was so weird for me because that was the only part of the song that was in English. So I'm just like, <laughs> who the parts. hell are all these bands? You mean there's more of this shit? And um, it was great. So. I started, you know, it was because of this song that I started doing research on City Pop. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's really fascinating. He name drops so many cool, like he, uh, Sadistic Mika Band. I mean, that's. Yep, Sadistic Mika Band. <laughs> Everyone loves that. Yeah, Sugar Babe, Sadistic Mika Band, Sentimental City Romance, Yumi Arai, Chukasaka, Ryo Kagawa. Wow. Yeah. Ryo Kagawa was a folk singer, yeah. So yeah, he, 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 he lets it all out, uh, what, what influenced him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing because look what it did for you. It got you into all these other artists and it set off this chain reaction where, you know, now people are interested in, in who influenced him. And so I think, yeah, that's one of the best tracks on here for sure, just because of that little interesting fact that he name drops all of his influences in it. Uh, so that that yeah that's that's an amazing one, um, like you said, lucky lady feels so good. Definitely one of my favorites. Uh, August rain for me, I love that. I love rain themes. Oh yeah, August rain's pretty good. It's a really like uh, slow slow jam kind of stuff, and it, it mm-hmm. uh, for me it's the it's the body that's that's it yeah. for me. I love that kind of thing. And again, the backup vocalist. It's a very there. earth wind and fire thing oh, to do. Yeah. I mean, the backup vocalists on that song, on every track, the, they have amazing backup vocals uh, that really add a lot to every song. I know it's, it's not to be underestimated how talented these backup vocalists were because they were adding such a unique, unique crispness to every song. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love this album completely. It's, uh, it, it's, it's really, like you said, it's not as specific as the previous ones. It, there's no like underlying theme to everything it's just kind of like a Seinfeld episode where everything's just kind of happening you know you have all this rain <laughs> a lucky lady a power driver there you go <laughs> so yeah and the second to last song goodbye uh, I think it's goodbye love or something like that um, yep goodbye love it's, a, it's another slow jam uh, the saxophone on this is really good it's not uh, Jake Conception it's Bob Minzer at this point um, uh, but still, it's it's still it's still great work, um, and uh, this feels like the crescendo to all the other slow jams that he had done in the previous five albums, where he's finally oh, like, because yeah. um, you know he has this pattern where the second to last song 
is almost always a slow jam. Uh, and so this feels like the goodbye, like, you know, and he even says a goodbye, my love. So this is like he had an affair throughout the entire five albums, the previous five albums. And this is like the farewell one. Like this is the goodbye love one. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an amazing, amazing album. And it ends with the best of love. So it's almost like and this one's such a late 70s right. funk. Disco. Uh, that's actually another good song. Oh, my God. Yes, I completely agree. Uh, one thing that I actually um, I completely forgot to mention the percussion in this song in this album is top notch. Um, I think that's I think that's I think um, I think that's what does it for me is um, the combination of the the synthesizers and the the drums and the 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 bongos and stuff like that. Really great percussion here, and uh, most of that is thanks to. Um, legendary drummer. Um, is it Kikuchi? Oh, I lost his name. What's that? Uh, Takeo Kikuchi, I believe. Oh, let me see who, who that is. I always felt into. I I, I always neglected drummer, and that is such a, an unfortunate thing. Um, oh, I could have swore. Uh, uh, or maybe he, uh, maybe he passed away at this point. So there was a, um, there was a drummer, uh, there was a, he was an American drummer that oh. worked a lot with Toshiki, uh, but he passed away, unfortunately. His name was, hold on a second, because I wrote about him in the, uh, in the blog, mm -hmm. so let me see. Yogi Horton. Yeah, there we go. Yogi Horton. Mm -hmm. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, he's yeah, Yogi Horton work on there. Yeah, so uh, Yogi. Let me just say, because I want to say, yeah, I want to say that he was on this album. Um, nineteen eighty-seven. When did this album come out? This is nineteen eighty-six. Nineteen eighty-six. Yeah. So yeah, um, but yeah, a lot of the a lot of the the, but yeah, um, what I was trying to say is, um, yeah, a lot of the great percussion work in in this album and a few of the other albums, especially uh, after Five and uh, Gold Digger, was thanks to Yogi Horton. Uh, he's one of the best drummers of the eighties. Um, you know, he's played for people like Luther Vandross, Aretha Franklin, John Lennon. Uh, Hall and Oates, Diana Ross, you name it. Uh, fortunately, he passed away in '87, um, but uh, he did a lot of work with Toshiki uh, on his uh, more nightclub albums, like everything after After Five. Uh, he worked a lot with him on, and uh, he, he did a great job. Hmm. Yeah, I, I can I can hear that on here. He's definitely a an amazing drummer and drummers don't don't get enough love for sure they, they really they really should get more appreciation but it seems like an ongoing theme where uh, people sometimes just forget or they just kind of <laughs> and you know it, it's, it's not it's not on purpose sometimes it's just there's so much to talk about and I it's just sometimes you know it's just the way things are but uh, but that doesn't take away from his talent 
in any way. Uh, so yeah, this was an amazing yeah, album. Uh, I, I really, I, 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 these last six albums, listening to them from beginning to end, you go on, uh, you know, uh, definitely, it's a journey. It really is. Uh, it's an incredible, incredible um, discography, his first six albums. And, you know, since we're already on the topic, why don't we just go ahead and uh, discuss C is a Lady, since that is right around oh, this time geez. anyway. Gee whiz. Yeah, C is a Lady is an interesting album, because that was his first, um, that was his first instrumental album. And, uh, Probably one of his more famous late '80s album. Uh, it's 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 a really. If you didn't know any better, you wouldn't have never guessed that this was a Toshiki production. But um, he does a really good job with um, "See as a Lady." Uh, I think. Um, uh, I think all the instrumentals are really good, and they're they're on the same caliber as stuff by you know Cassiopeia, for example, and uh, T Square. It kind of straddles the line, but if anything, I think um, the album is most similar to um, there's another jazz fusion band called uh, Katsumi Hori Project. Yeah. I would say that was that would probably be its closest contemporary, where it's sort of this uh, combination of uh, you know uh, synthesizers and um, and uh, you know jazz rock fusion and stuff like that. It's 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 pretty good. I don't know if I have a favorite song. No, I'm lying. Fifty Second Street, Akiko. I agree. That's my favorite song on here. Okay, yeah, 57th Street, Akiko, and um, I want to say, because um, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I, I do like the album. I think usually when I go back to Toshiki Records, it's usually it's usually between Weekend Flight of the Sun, Gold Digger, and uh, After Five Clash. But I also, if I'm going back to Seize a Lady, it's 52nd Street. And it is, um... I like Midsummer Driving. Uh, Midsummer Driving. Yep. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, Midsummer Driving has another really uh, dope song. Um, one of the thing, one of the ones that I was disappointed, they took out of the, um, uh, the, uh, the remade version of this album, is the, the, the bass battle. That was a cool little interlude. Uh, I believe that was between uh, Toshiki's bassist. Um, uh, God, was, I had his name. Uh, but yeah, um, I know you're talking about. He was one of his uh, biggest. Uh, he 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 worked on a lot of uh, Toshiki albums as his as his bassist. Um, Iso Iso. Yeah, um, it was a uh, uh, Tomohito Aoki. Yep. Oh yeah, Aoki Tomohito. Amazing, yeah. amazing. He did so many great tracks uh, for Toshiki. Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was between him and American bassist. Uh, uh, let me see if I can get his name. Oh, he's not on Discogs. Oh no. Yeah, some people aren't. 
I guess there's a oh okay I guess there's a few bases on there. Uh, Tomohiko Aoki, uh, Tetsuo Sakurai, mm. Kenji Takamizu. I could have sworn there was one guy on here uh, who was an American bassist. Um, I guess I was I guess I was wrong. But um, but yeah um, bass battle is one of my my favorite tracks on here. It was a nice little interlude. And, um, but yeah, I would say, um, usually, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a good, um, uh, jazz fusion album, overall. Um, it's definitely more on the, uh, poppier side, which is, and uh, as far as jazz fusion albums go, usually if I'm listening to late 80s stuff, uh, I'm usually sticking to a Katsumi Hori project. But I would still recommend this to anybody, especially if they like um, T-Square, for example. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, usually I recommend Mint Jams whenever I want to... Uh, Give someone something to... Oh, yeah, by uh, Cassiopeia. Yeah, whenever I want to, again, like, either impress someone or kind of show off, I'll, I'll, I'll mention <laughs> Mint Jams, but this is another really fun one. And and, and, a, and a big reason is because, you know, every name, every title is, is named after, like, a woman that he's been in love with or something like that. I don't know. Uh, you know, Tashiki's such a ladies' man, uh, so it, it might very well be these are all, like, women that he's been in love with and... Who knows? Uh, but it's an amazing album. It charted high, probably one of the highest uh, charted songs for him. Fourth place on the Oricon when it came out. Uh, oh. So that's that's one of his most popular albums for sure. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to a close today. It, it, it was such an amazing talk, talking about Toshiki. And there's so much more. Uh, I, we just talked for hours uh, because there's just so much uh, going on in his discography and so many people that he's worked with and so many influences that we Absolutely. have not even been able to uh, pinpoint just yet. So this is just a beginning for Toshiki's kind of like charting in, in the West now that we have access to the music. We can share it and we can discuss it and we can have programs like this where we talk about it so that other people can listen and be influenced and be inspired and take up their own jazz fusion album if they want to you know who knows where all this is leading it's it's definitely reverberating in the music scene today and uh, i'm so glad to be a part of it i'm so glad to to have people like you who are such you know scholars in the scene be able to discuss it with me and uh, i couldn't be happier for for this specific moment in time where you know japanese artists are are getting the due credit that they deserve uh so i am uh so so pleased to have you on the show we'll probably have you on again in the future and for everyone listening you can find him on his blog which is comealongradio.blogspot.com i will link all of the um hyperlinks in the description of this podcast if you want to pay him a visit listen to his podcast send him messages comment on his videos uh, show him love he's an amazing amazing dj uh he'll probably be djing with me at some point in the near future who knows? Um, was there any uh, parting words that you wanted to give Rocket? Well, listen, I, I really appreciate you for bringing me on here. 
Uh, all I really have to say is I'm just a fan like the rest of you guys. <laughs> you know, for me, um, I, I do this, you know, because, you know, like, you know, I love these artists and I love exploring the history of these artists. You know, if you want to talk about scholars, you know, there's a lot of people on, you know, there was a lot of people online trying to do the same thing I was doing. Uh, there just wasn't a sort of a centralized, uh, you know, uh, hub for all this stuff. You know, you had Alan. Uh, I know a lot of guys, um, uh, you know, doing this type of stuff on forums. Um, shout out to the guy who uh, who started a city pop forum on Hip Opinion. Um, shout out to um, the guys on Rachel Music, you know, uh, doing their due diligence uh, uh, in the, the city pop sections, right? Um, uh, shout out to, um, I, shout out to, uh, I just want, big shout out to, um, uh, uh, Moritz Summit. He just did a, um, really great, um, college essay, uh, uh thesis on, the uh, cultural significance of city pop and uh it's really awesome you know if you want to if you want a scholarly take on city pop then i would check out his um his essay he did a really good job you know uh for as for me uh you know i'm here because you know you know i enjoy music i enjoy history i enjoy the history of music and um you know, this is, this is, uh, guys like Toshiki Kadamatsu, you know, have made a really big impact on music, but not a lot of people know about them. And, um, I think, uh, I think their story, uh, deserves to be heard, uh, just like anybody else's. And, uh, so I'm really glad we got to, you know, shoot the breeze and uh, chew the fat and uh, just talk about how great his music is today yeah uh, and I, I can't thank you enough for, for your passion and your you know urge to share information and to get the word out because it does echo it does reverberate it does matter everyone listens uh, everyone gains something from it and like you said these stories deserve to be told and in the future, you know, they'll look back on these moments and, and they'll see that there was an effort, that we, we cared, we wanted to uh, spread the music and that it mattered, that it, it made a difference in the end. Um, so I can't thank you enough. I can't thank enough uh, everyone, uh, Alan, all these people who are doing something in, in for the music, uh, all these blogs, all these forums, um, all these social networks that are sharing the music, that are talking about the music. It's not going to end here. It's definitely not going to end today or anytime soon. This is just the beginning of uh, a revitalization of Japanese music from that era. And I'm so glad to be a part of it with you. And so thank you, everyone, for listening uh, to Mayonaka Hour City Pop Podcast. Again, this was Rocket Brown of Come Along Radio. I will link all of his information below. Uh, so... We will see you again next time on Mayonaka Hour. Uh, my name is Van Pogam with Rocket Brown. Thank you and have a great night. We'll see you around. Mm-hmm.